When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Minnesota Vikings, the NFL, football, yeah, football. Welcome to Purple Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here, and it's been a little while since we have checked in with the O-line guy of the podcast, Brandon Thorne, USA Football, along with other various outlets. You can follow him on Twitter at Veteran Scout, my favorite go-to guy for offensive line and defensive line work. Brandon, how are you? I'm doing good, Matt. I'm excited to be here. It's a, a big, exciting game we're going to talk about, so it's always good. So I remember last year you and I got together and we talked about the Saints and the Vikings, how they match up in the trenches before the divisional game last season. And the Minneapolis miracle is what comes out of that game and everything else sort of is a blur. But uh, if I recall, the Saints got the best, I think, of both sides of that matchup uh, for most of the day. So tell me before we get into sort of player by player, what you think of the big picture on the Saints offensive defensive line and the Vikings offensive defensive line, kind of where they stand within the league, how you think they're they're playing overall and what we should look for. Yeah, so, you know, with the the Saints, you know, I think their offensive line right now is, you know, a firm, like firmly inside the top five in the NFL. Um, you know, you can make that case they were last year as well, but, um, you know, they still have kind of a, a little bit of a revolving door at left guard, you know, with Pete, you know, continuously dealing with injuries, but it hasn't really slowed him down. You know, everybody else has played and they have a really strong unit across the board, you know, bookend tackles and and a good interior. So, yeah, I mean, the offensive line is stout and they're playing really well this year, you know, in the run game and in pass protection. Um, I think they've given up the fewest quarterback hits, which I know is partly on Drew Brees too, but um, yeah, so, you know, in Tron Armstead, I just wrote a big piece on him that's coming out soon and got to talk to him, you know, about what's going on this season. And this is, you know, the best start that he's had in his career. So, you know, with Everson Griffin coming back, you know, on the Minnesota defensive line, you know, most likely he'll go into his right defensive end position and that matchup is going to be key. 
um, like it was last year in the playoffs. You know, I, I just went back and watched every snap of that before we got on the phone. And, you know, I thought Armstead definitely got the better of that matchup. Griffin got a sack on him, got a really great jump off the ball and just beat him. But aside from that, didn't really get close to Breeze. Um, so that's going to be a matchup to watch. You know, I'm sure there's going to be a little bit of rust there and, you know, coming back against Armstead, that's going to be tough for Griffin, but you know, it just takes one or two plays and, you know, it could be a pretty decent game for him. So that matchup, you know, individually is one of my favorites in this game, but um, yeah, the Vikings defensive line is, uh, you know, they're, they're getting stronger. It seems like, Um, you know, Linval Joseph missed first game he has since I think the, 2015 season last week which was I think kind of unexpected but uh I saw that he what I think he did practice yesterday um he did yeah okay yeah so that's that's good you know he'll probably be back so um you know him being in or not is huge for that defensive line you know he's kind of this you know not just literally the centerpiece but um you know just kind of that unmovable object in the middle that he, he gives Unger a lot of problems, um, the Saints center. So, uh, if, if he's playing, I think that's going to make a world of difference. Um, but then, you know, to have Sheldon Richardson in there instead of Tom Johnson, that's going to be somebody that the Saints didn't see last year. So that's going to be a, you know, a new dynamic there in the middle against Larry Warford and, um, Andrews Pete, who's supposed to play, um, which he didn't play in the playoff game last year either. So. Yeah, and then, you know, Daniil Hunter going back over to the left defensive end spot, you know, going against Ryan Ramsick, that's a great matchup. So just really, really good matchups on the ends, I think, you know, and then on the interior as well. So the Saints offensive line versus Vikings defensive line, I think, is definitely, you know, the premier matchup of the game. And then it's a little bit more in favor, I think, on of to the Saints on the opposite sides of the ball. Um, you know, I just think they're – their defensive line is solid, but, you know, Cam Jordan last year was, you know, a superstar. Um, this year he's, he's still very good. Um, and, you know, going against, uh, I guess Brian O'Neill, um, that's going to be, excuse me, a really tough matchup for O'Neill because, you know, the, the primary area that he struggles is dealing with guys who are extremely powerful and can convert speed to power really well. And I think you have to put Cam Jordan on like the top two or three list in the NFL of guys who can really convert speed to power at, you know, a, a crazy rate. So that's going to be really, really tough matchup for O'Neal. Um, you know, I would imagine that they're going to, you know, slide a little bit more help, give a little bit more chips, you know, stuff like that. Because, I mean, the last couple of weeks, um, O'Neal hasn't really faced anybody. You know, I mean, Arizona and the Jets don't really have anybody at left defensive end. I mean, Marcus Golden, you know, for the Cardinals, I watched that game earlier today. He did pretty well there, but even then his bull rush um, got O'Neal a couple times and it's nothing like Jordan's. So this will definitely be the toughest matchup that a right tackle has faced so far this season um, for the Vikings. So that really stands out to me, um, you know, and then you kind of go across you know from the right side um Sheldon Rankins you know on the interior is a really tough matchup for guys he has a really really good spin move as a pass rusher um I could see him giving a lot of trouble to the interior specifically the guards um you know I think Elfline has the advantage over the interior you know like nose tackles of the Saints um I saw what Tom Compton uh he didn't practice yesterday is that right correct yes 
So uh, what would it be Isadora maybe? Yep. If, yep. Okay. Yeah. So Rankins, you know, has a definite advantage, I think, over him and Remmers as a pass rusher. And, um, you know, is, and then I saw Riley Reef might play. So, you know, if, if he plays, you know, obviously that's a huge boost. Um, and I think it'll be kind of an even matchup, you know, for the most part on the other side, but Davenport, you know, um, they also have Alex Oak for, but, uh, Marcus Davenport, their first round pick, at least the last like weeks, I think, uh, three, four, five, you know, I really noticed him kind of jump off the screen, you know, with really good power in his hands. And, you know, he's obviously a very athletic guy. So that'll be a, I think a really intriguing matchup against Reef, um, if he plays. So I still would give the advantage to the Saints, you know, defensive line, which I'd give the advantage to most defensive lines over the Vikings, but, uh, Vikings offensive line. Um, but it's, it's, you know, not too lopsided, I don't think, aside from that right tackle versus Jordan matchup. I think that could get a little out of control possibly, but yeah, it's, it's going to be a, a great line of scrimmage battle either way on both sides. So let me dig into a few of those things here, starting with Everson Griffin, where as we record this, it's not clear if he's going to play or not. I mean, he practiced in full, mm-hmm. and then he talked, and it seemed like that was a possibility, but no one's saying definitively yet. So if Everson Griffin cannot play, what is the battle between Armstead and Daniil Hunter like, and how does that kind of impact the entire strength of the Vikings defensive line. Yeah. I mean, Hunter, you know, I think he wins more, even though he, you know, is a a very athletic guy, you know, testing wise, I think, you know, from what I've seen him, he wins with really good, you know, he has a really good pass rush plan at this point. Um, He's able to string together moves well, uses his length and his hands well. So that to me is almost a more interesting matchup versus Armstead. Um, cause I mean, Armstead is such a great athlete that, you know, guys like Griffin with a great get off, they typically don't impact him as much. And, you know, Hunter has a good get off, but he, I think he more so wins, you know, with, with his length, with his dexterity, you know, he's a really, um, you know, I think a skilled pass rusher. So that matchup to me is a little bit more intriguing. And I think he could, you know, potentially give Armstead a little bit you know, stress, stress Armstead out a little bit more, actually. So, um, that matchup would be really intriguing. And then for the defensive line, you know, if that happens, you know, I guess Weatherly would, uh, you know, man the other side. And I think that, you know, Minnesota would be at more of a disadvantage all around, you know, just because I think Ramsek, you know, would have the edge over Weatherly. Um, you know, despite Weatherly playing well and everything, I, I just think Ramsek is, you know, the more established, just better player. So maybe a little bit of a downgrade there, you know, just on the Vikings defensive line. Um, but, you know, I think that that left tackle versus Hunter matchup becomes a little bit more interesting at the same time. So let me ask you about Linval Joseph and his impact. Now, he was out last week and maybe in a way precautionary for him because they're playing the Jets. And teams will always tell you that, like, no, 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 that's not a consideration. But... I mean, I I think that it has to be when you're thinking that Spencer Long is the other team's center and David Perry can probably handle him or Jaleel Johnson could probably handle him and do the job for a week. But then the next week you're going up against one of the best teams in the NFL, one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. If Joseph is 100%, I look at him as the guy who can entirely affect this game. Because even when you go back to the divisional playoff game, 
the Vikings had to stuff a third down and one in order to get a chance to have the Minneapolis miracle, right? I, I mean, and, yep. and for whatever reason, the Saints decided, hey, it'll be a good idea to not have Drew Brees throw it, but rather run right at Linval Joseph. But I, I think that, Brandon, if the Saints can run the ball against the Vikings, which teams have not been able to do very well in a really long time since Linval Joseph has been here, but if they can with Kamara and Ingram, then the Vikings are not going to have any chance to stop Drew Brees. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, you know, I think you have to kind of look at the linebacker play, you know, at the same time and stopping the run and, you know, see how they do. But in terms of just, you know, the offensive line versus defensive line and, you know, Linval Joseph is primarily going to be going against Max Unger. You know, Unger is a guy who wins with, you know, leverage, quickness. Um, he's a very, you know, smart guy who's been around a long time and does a lot of the little things well, but he's just, you know, simply overmatched physically against Joseph. And, you know, I think that shows, you know, when you watch, you know, them matched up against each other, you know, as they have been in the past, uh, Joseph just gives him a lot of trouble with his length, his strength. Um, he gets inside of Unger and Unger can't really, you know, do anything. He can't really disengage off of him, you know, break his hands off of his chest. You know, Joseph is just, he's just kind of dominant, you know, on the inside. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Joseph playing, I think, you know, makes all the difference, you know, in just the whole defense's ability to stop the Saints offense because of that, you know, ability to really plug the inside. And I think, you know, even with, you know, really good backs like the Saints have, um, you know, I don't really question Joseph's ability to do his job in this game against Max Unger. So, you know, but obviously, you know, Joseph is really just going to kind of cover those two A gaps. So, you know, if you're talking the B gaps, C gaps, you know, further outside and um, things like that, you know, that becomes, you know, team defense at that point, obviously. So, but yeah, I mean, Linval Joseph alone, I think is going to handle his own for sure on the inside there and really kind of cover up those A gaps for everybody else to, you know, be free and, you know, especially the linebackers, I don't really foresee, you know, a whole lot of, you know, the interior offensive line being able to get up to them at the second level. And that's really what Joseph brings. You know, he frees up linebackers to roam around. Now, if uh, anybody wants to do this, it's kind of a fun exercise, is to just watch Linval Joseph on plays. Like, don't look at the ball. Oh, yeah. Don't watch where it's being thrown or where it's being run. Just watch him. I do that. And yeah, that is yeah, that is what you do best, Brandon, is you focus <laughs> on those guys up front. And you do it exceptionally well. And it's something that I, I think it, once you start to see it, though you understand why things work and why things don't work and the type of impact he has and sort of the domino effect of a guy who can just overpower a center and always requires two people to block him. And then also Linval chases people down. And, and that's yeah. the thing is that when he ran for a touchdown, everyone's like, oh, my gosh, how fast is this guy? Like, yeah, if you watch the tape, you know that because you see all yeah. the time this guy running people down from behind. Yeah, that's it's so much fun to watch, especially a guy. I mean, as big as he is, you know, to give the effort that he gives, you know, on a play to play basis. I mean, and then, you know, just to watch Linval Joseph, you know, like you said, if you really focus on him, you could really see his personality shine through mm -hmm. on the field. Um, you know, he, you could tell probably, you know, nobody loves playing, you know, as much as he does, just the passion he plays with and really kind of the celebrations that he does, you know, they're very, I guess, kind of subtle, but he, 
Uh, I don't know. I don't actually. I don't know how subtle they are. I mean, he, he's pretty. He's pretty bold about you know when he makes a big play, he'll just kind of stare down the opposite sideline. You know, he loves putting up one arm and flexing it. Um, you know, and and nobody's gonna say anything to Linval. You know, I mean, all, <laughs> right. you know, offenses don't really mess with him. I mean, you know, if he makes a play, they'll just you know kind of move on and let him celebrate. You know, and. I just love seeing that dynamic because he's such like a, a physically imposing guy who just, you know, plays really, really hard and, you know, has, he's, uh, has underrated athleticism for being as enormous as he is. So yeah, he, he's one of the more fun interior defensive linemen in the league to watch, in my opinion, for sure. And what I enjoy about him is that he is off the field, a very quiet guy and a very humble guy. I mean, you really won't find anybody who has, more of a humble approach than Linval Joseph even after he scored the touchdown you could tell he was really really excited about it but at the same time he's not going to be the guy who comes into the locker room or in front of the media or, or with his teammates and and tries to you know pump himself up or anything like that it's just his on-field demeanor so it's really interesting when you watch him on the field versus the Linval Joseph that we see on a on a daily basis around the facility so now let me ask you on the on the offensive side um, Pat Elfline coming back to me has been monumental for the Vikings offensive line where at one point I would have looked at this as just an untenable situation. It was so poor for the first couple of weeks that I don't know how you're going to win any games. And then he comes back and all of a sudden explosive runs start to happen up the middle. And, you know, even to the outside on a, on a play where Rock Thomas picked up 23 yards, Elfline spotted a, a potential tackler out of the corner of his eye and just stuck a mitt out there and, and you know, got the guy off of the direction to set up the big run. I mean, the, the cerebral yep. nature of him. That. Yeah. That, it was a, it was a great play, right? I mean, to, to see him come in to have his head on a swivel there and just to stab the guy and, and keep him away from rock Thomas, these things, I see Brandon, just a major, major impact of Pat Elfline being there. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's, you know, I think at this point, the best offensive lineman on the team and yeah, he, he's, you know, he's a, he's a good, very good center at this point, I think. And his impact, you know, I don't think it'd be overstated. He's, you know, not only really good at the point of attack and, you know, kind of generating movement and getting guys, you know, moved off the ball to, you know, open up some holes, you know, kind of in the vertical run game, but what he does laterally, I think is, kind of what takes him to that next level. And he did it at Ohio State, you know, both at center and at guard, and he's doing it now, you know, um, pulling, getting out in space, being able to identify the right target, you know, whoever's the most dangerous man. Um, he's very good about deciphering that, um, lining up his targets and actually, you know, um, getting to them, you know, is, is a really impressive feat, you know, for a center because virtually every guy he sees in space is a much better athlete. Um, so to be able to do that is really impressive. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's, he's one of the, the smartest guys, I think, you know, in, you know, at the position. Um, and just, just basically what I saw at Ohio State, I'm, I'm really happy that it's translated, um, as well as it has. And yeah, last week, I mean, that was awesome to see. You know, it was, it was back to back clips, actually. Um, that, the run you're talking about to to stab that guy and then I think the very next play or the play before he had he drove his guy totally off the ball and then they 
they scored, I think. So I think it was back-to-back plays. His impact was clearly right there. And basically, because of him, those two long runs, I think it was two plays, two runs in a row, and they got 61 yards out of it and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And both those plays were because of Pat Elfline more than anybody else. So, yeah, that was a great example of his impact. And, yeah, it just changes everything for the run game. It makes him a lot more um, versatile and, and multiple, I think. So the second one you're talking about, the Murray touchdown, what I liked about that one is when Elfline came back, his injury really kept him from working out in the offseason, and it took a long time uh, for him to get back to his strength and to see him drive a defensive lineman back like that to the point where it cut off, I believe it cut off an angle for a linebacker to kind of get back in that play that the linebacker had had read it maybe or a little bit over-pursued. And he could have maybe jumped back and tackled Murray, but instead there was a defensive lineman's butt in his way and he just couldn't get to Murray and he blew right through. And something like that, we knew that Elfline would be able to get out and move still, and we've seen it, but to, to have his, his core strength or whatever you might call it, to drive somebody back like that, I, I think was a, um, a really positive sign. And, and we are seeing him be just as good or even better than he was last year. What I'd like to see more of, Brandon, is them use him in the screen game. We haven't seen a whole lot of screens to running backs, and I know Delvin's out, but uh, that's where Elfline, to me, is at his absolute best. Yeah, screens or, or poles, you know, I think either one, you know, I mean, and they've they've done that here and there, but yeah, I agree. I, I think you can definitely increase that, you know, and I'm not sure why they haven't exactly, you know, it's a good question. Maybe because Cook isn't in there and, you know, I don't know. I still agree with you though. I, I think when you, you know, that's the best part of your, of your offensive line really is Elfline in space. So yeah, I think you should maximize that as much as possible. And, you know, hopefully they can do that against the Saints, you know, this week. But yeah, I, I think that's a great point. Pulling in, in screen game, you know, that's Elfline's you know, bread and butter. And really, I mean, I think that fits Brian O'Neill as well. So I think it can help both of those guys. Well, a perfect lead into my final question for you, Brandon. Should Brian O'Neill stay in at right tackle or should they stick with Rashad Hill as the starter because he's faced off with Cameron Jordan before in the playoffs, even though he got beat a lot, but he's still seen him. And you mentioned the speed to power issue this seems like it could go either way where either O'Neal could have a game where he really proves that he should be in there for the rest of the year, or it's one where he could lose confidence because he's really getting slammed back into the quarterback. Yeah, it's, it's tough. And I could probably be convinced either way, but you know, I lean at this point a little bit more towards just keeping him in there, you know, um, just because, you know, he has a couple starts now under his belt and, you know, he's, he's played, you know, pretty well. Um, but you know, that power thing, you know, if he gets beat a couple of times, you know, with the bull rush of Cam Jordan, I think that you can live with that at this point because he's doing some other things well. And I think you want to see it too. You know, it's a prime time game. Um, you know, kind of at this point, I, I'm becoming more comfortable with kind of putting him in a situation like that, you know, a little bit more pressure maybe. Um, but you want to see how a guy like that responds, you know, and if it isn't well at all, you know, you can maybe put Hill back in there, you know, for a couple of weeks, let him go off against face off against uh, Khalil Mack, you know, in week 11. And then maybe, you know, you know, mix, you know, O'Neal back in for the rest of the year because you're really not going to see great pass rushers again until Khalil Mack in week 17. So, 
you know, I think that could be a route you go, you know, but I, um, so that's kind of what I'm leaning towards. I, I say you put him in there, you let him pace off against an elite player, but also you don't really let him be on an island, mm-hmm. you know, and don't, don't do anything like that. You know, you don't want to put too much on his plate, but let him go against him a couple times in the game, you know, maybe adjust your game plan a little bit, give a little bit more help over there if you can without, you know, handicapping the offense too much, but also increase, you know, what he does well, let him get in space, you know, a little bit more than you have in the previous couple weeks, a little bit more screens, you know, pulling things like that. And I think, you know, you just see what happens, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of at that point now where, you know, O'Neal's, you know, the future, you know, there, um, and Hill, even though he did play him last year, I mean, we, I think everybody knows what Rashad Hill is at this point, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, I, I do like the idea of, you know, this situation, letting O'Neal stick in there and play. Well, I am with you and, you know, I'm skeptical on whether O'Neal would be ready to go, but he has looked so good over the last couple of weeks. There are times where he's still getting beat, but I think it would be a, a great test of his progress. And yep. he's probably the, the best, given the best chance considering his athleticism. And you're right about it. if they could dial up some things to use him in space, then I think they can have some success without having to, to do a whole lot at the quarterback position. That's what I love about screen passes so much is when you have these offensive linemen who can move. I mean, all the quarterback has to do is just dump it off and then watch the rest of it happen. And that's where Case Keenum made a lot of his bones last year. So, uh, Brandon, as always, fantastic stuff. People should follow you at Veteran Scout. You post out a lot of things that I learn from. You don't just tweet out and say, hey, look at this great play, but you explain why it's working, why certain players are good. And I, I think the more understanding you have of what's going on in the trenches, the more you can understand the game of football and, and, and appreciate it. So, You do a great job, and thank you, as always, for popping on. All right, man. Thanks a lot for having me again. Appreciate it. And thank you all for listening to the Purple Podcast.